psychologically speaking, a defense mechanism is denial in which confrontation with a personal problem or with the reality is avoided by denying the existence of the problem or the reality. And so I think Christmas must be a real denial trip for an awful lot of people. Because here you have so many people in the entire world that have been celebrating this holiday, and yet they totally don't believe in God, and they don't believe in Christ, and yet they're caught up amongst the whole thing, right? So it kind of makes you wonder about Christmas, and, and do you take the time to study who this Christ is? That the whole world, not the whole world, but a very high portion of the world right, is celebrating, or do you just ignore it? Do you live in denial? And the danger of living in denial is what happens to Belshazzar is to wake up unprepared to meet your maker, right? It's, you can live in denial all your life, or do you look in and study the, investigate what's going on, or you wake up to a horrible reality. Luke chapter 12 was a rich farmer. And Jesus said to these guys, beware, be on your guard against every form of greed. Not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possession. And then he told them a parable. The land of the rich man was very productive. And when he began reasoning to himself, he's saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down barns, build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you've got many goods laid up for many years to come, to come take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. And God said, you fool, this very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. God lives in my life and I can't live in denial that he does. And so what am I doing to live a life that is pleasing to him? Because we know there's coming a day. It's called the judgment day. And in that day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Those who are in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now you can live a life that believes in it, or you can live in denial, which is not advisable because in 2 Corinthians 5.10, he says we must all appear before the judgment seat so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. But you do have to be accountable in Hebrews 9:27, appointed men for it's appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. And in Matthew chapter 25, we've got the three parables, and they say that we are going to be judged. And the three parables in Matthew 25 are for Christians. And the parable of the ten virgins. Well, do you have faith and have you worked on your faith? Do you have that extra oil, or are you like the five foolish virgins who didn't continue in their faith? Are you like the, the two guys that took their talents, put it to work? That's called hope. Or are you like the one guy who buried his hope? And then the end was the, the sheep and the goats. The sheep are the Christians who help one another. And the goats are the Christians who only serve themselves. 
And there's coming a day when we will be responsible for what we do with one another. We're not responsible for what we do to the world. We are responsible for how we love one another. If you can love the Christians, which are the hardest people in the world to love, you can love the world, right? The world's easy to love. But if you can't love Christians, you're going to be in big trouble in trying to love the rest of the world. We're all challenges to learn to get along with one another, right? You can get along with the world. So don't live in denial. And that's what this story really is all about. And I've been trying to make it teach something else. And that's why it wasn't coming through. And I was missing out on what really is going on. The story of Belshazzar, the king who lived in denial. Now, you've got to look at the historical record. He's got this big feast with a thousand people. A thousand of his nobles are right in the presence, right? And he's partying it up. But you have to realize the Medes and the Persians are on the outside of the walls of Babylon. They're out there getting ready to conquer Babylon. But he's so arrogant that he's going, they'll never take us. We've got these city walls. They can't get in. It's impossible for them. That's why they're camped way over there. So he's going to have this incredible party, right? What happens is the Medes and the Persians divert the Euphrates River, which flows under the walls of Babylon and through the city, which is their water supply. And as soon as they died, they channeled the river. And as soon as they channeled it, they just marched under the gates took the city, not firing a shot, right? Killing good old Belshazzar. This is the night Belshazzar dies. It was kind of funny because you, you look a little bit farther down where um, chapter seven, you know, it was in the, the first year of Belshazzar, chapter eight, in the third year of Belshazzar. Well, he doesn't say it here in, in chapter five, in the last year of Belshazzar. <laughs> is what it needs to read, the last night of Belshazzar. And this guy has been living in denial. So much so, he's now going to mock God, you know? And that's the part I didn't pick up. He is purposely mocking God, right? When he tasted the wine in verse two, he gave orders to bring out the gold and the silver vessels, which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Verse 4, they drank from the wine, praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, right? He is putting it in God's face. And you go, no, he's just, no, he's specifically asking for the temple, the, the utensils from the temple which was in Jerusalem which his father conquered now you have to say no he didn't know that yeah he did how do we know that you got to go to verse 22 and this is the verse that I've always been missing and once you read verse 22 now you understand because Daniel says to him yet you his son Belshazzar have not humbled your heart even though you knew all of this. And Daniel just ran down through the whole story of Nebuchadnezzar eating grass. And that's when Nebuchadnezzar writes this incredible declaration to the entire world, how great this God is. And all about Daniel, right? 
but you've been living in total denial. Why? Because of Daniel chapter two. Here comes a dream that Nebuchadnezzar gets. But what's the problem with the dream as far as Belshazzar is concerned? Well, because of the, it was explained in verse 30, well, in verse 36, 37, you, O king, in Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar, the God of heaven has given the kingdom and power and strength and glory. Wherever the sons of men dwell or the beasts of the field, the birds, you know, he's given them into your hand and has caused them, caused you to rule over them. You are the head of gold. You are the great kingdom. And then verse 39, this is what, this is the thorn in the flesh for good old Belshazzar. After you, O king, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you. And then a third kingdom. Oh, wait a second. Who is this other kingdom? Now, Nebuchadnezzar, he died in 62. Okay, he ruled from 606 BC to 62. Then he's got three sons and sons-in-laws that kind of rule. And then Nabonidus takes over in about 50. Okay, and Nabonidus rules, but then Nabonidus, he doesn't want to be king so much. He goes live someplace else and he puts his son in as co-regent. That's who Belshazzar is. Belshazzar knows about this dream. Belshazzar knows they're going to lose power. And now Belshazzar sees the Medes and the Persians that are sitting right outside. And it looks like this dream is going to be fulfilled, right? So he's going, nah, I'm too arrogant. You know, there's no way the God of the universe can take me out of position. So we're going to celebrate. We're going to drink with all these utensils. I'm in denial. Well, you know, God knows this. And then the fingers of the man's hand appear, began writing on the wall. Now look at his response. His face grew pale. His thoughts alarmed him. Why? Because he knows the prophecy. He knows what he's doing about in God's face. Hip joints went slack means he can't. And I just love this. I've, the only time I see this is, is in cartoons. You know, some of those really old cartoons where you see, you know, the characters and their knees are knocking. I've never heard of a man whose knees were knocking. That shows you how terrified this king is. And he called out for the conjurers and Chaldeans. Let's put a stop to this, right? Bring the wise man in and anybody who can read the inscription, explain the interpretation. Clothed in purple, necklace of gold, and he shall be third ruler in the kingdom. What do you mean third? Well, because my dad's number one, I'm number two, and you can be number three. That's why. Because dad, he's gone away, right? I'm stuck as the second ruler. Because Daniel was second to Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel's not so popular right now, right? Why? Well, because over time, people quit asking Daniel. Over time, we forget about the word of God. Over time, we start to get into our own little groove. Over time, we start living in denial that Daniel is the smartest guy ever, so they just put him on the back burners. And the wise men came, and they couldn't read the inscription. So Belshazzar is greatly alarmed. His face grew paler, and his nobles were perplexed. Why? This is just like my dad. 
and they couldn't explain the dream. And there was only one guy that's going to be able to do it. It was Daniel. He knew that. So I'm going to call all these guys in and they're going to tell it to me. And this thing about God doesn't exist. And none of them could. And so now he's real. And the nobles don't understand what his problem is. He knows what his problem is. And then what happens? In, enter stage left, the queen. Now, this is probably the queen mother. Belshazzar is not the direct, he's a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. And the mother could, could have been one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters. Okay, Nabonidus, he was just uh, married into the family. That's how he became king. So the queen mother enters in. And the queen mother knows her son lives in denial. She knows. And she's got to save face with the guy. Right? She can't embarrass him. She can't come in and say, I told you. I warned you. No, no, no. She just got to come in and said, oh, king, live forever. Right? Right? Don't let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man, you know who this guy is, in whom there is a spirit of the holy gods. You're, now catch, is this where she said? Yeah. And in the days of your father, so a lot of the kings in Israel were called, you know, the, the son of David. And you can jump generations. So that's how you need to see and understand this, you know. This guy had illumination, insight, wisdom in the days of your father were found in him. Now catch this in verse 11. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, kind of really rub it in because he was the king. He was the head of gold. You aren't because you're not even king. Appointed him chief over the mag magicians, conjurers, and Chaldeans. Because he had this special spirit. So find, find Daniel. Let Daniel now be summoned and, he, summoned and he will deliver the interpretation. Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke to Daniel. Are you that Daniel? Who is of the exiles from Judah? His mother never mentioned Judah here. He knows what he's talking about. Who my father the king brought out of Judah? I've heard about, I've heard about you, not just from what his mother, he knows about Daniel, that a spirit of the gods in you is of illumination, insight, and wisdom. And now I've called all my conjurers and they could not declare the interpretation. Look at 16. I personally have heard about you, that you're able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you know that, why haven't you been using Daniel? He's the smartest guy around and you, you don't even have him on your staff. He's buried back someplace, right? And Daniel can solve all your problems. Why didn't you call Daniel when the Medes and the Persians were showing up? Because you're arrogant. You're full of yourself. You're not turning to God. You are going to solve it all. How? By just having a party? Doesn't work that way. But when you're living in denial that you don't accept God as your authority, you don't accept God as your Lord and Savior, man, you're in a world of hurt. Where do you turn? Right? Now, if you can, if, if you can read the inscription, Daniel, I'll give you purple clothes, 
wear the necklace, and you can be third ruler in the kingdom. Well, I think Daniel took a look at the writing in the wall and just smiled and looked at the king and said, what? Uh, keep your gifts. <laughs> this, is, this is not your night. Like, they're not going to go anywhere. So just keep your gifts to yourself. Give your rewards to someone else, right? You know, but I'll read the inscription for you. Oh, king, the most high God. Now, let's kind of do a little reminder here. The most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the people's nations, men from every language feared and trembled before him, whomever he wished he killed and, and whatever. But when his heart lifted and his spirit became so proud, he became, he behaved arrogantly, verse 20, and he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was driven away and from mankind and his heart was made like that of the beast and his dwelling place, place was with the wild donkeys given grass like cattle and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized the most high is God ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets over it whomever he wishes yet you his son Belshazzar have not humbled your heart even though you knew all this you knew who the king most high God is you knew what God has done to him you knew that he came back he was restored in power made the declaration and he ruled until he died and he was the most majestic king of all the Babylonians because he still had a relationship with God was he converted who knows to Judaism probably not but he still had a relationship with God and yet here you are living in denial because you can't accept to bow down to the king of kings and lord of lords and i mean that's an incredible lesson in there for for us right i become a christian but am i really a christian do i really listen to god i mean belshazzar knew the stories and he just sort of pushed them aside pushed them aside even the night that you can see that he's going to be destroyed, he's partying it up in front of God. You've exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven and have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines have been drinking from them and you have praised gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stuff, which you do, which do not see and hear nor understand. You're such a fool. But the God in whose hand are your life and breath and all your ways you have not glorified. And the, our lives are in God's hands. We need to realize that. And then a hand was sent and the inscription was written. And this is the inscription. This is the interpretation. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. That's the fulfillment of the dream. The Medes and the Persians are going to take over. You've been weighed on the scales, found deficient. Everybody stands accountable one day. That's a guarantee, right? If it's judgment day or you, the day you die, you're going to be weighed on the scales. Are you going to be found satisfying or are you going to be deficient? Your kingdom has been divided, given to the Medes and the Persians. 
Belshazzar closed Daniel with the purple, the necklace, and issues a proclamation that he is now the authority of the third ruler in the kingdom. And then that, that same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. The Medes and the Persians took over without firing a shot, and Nebuchadnezzar gets taken out of the picture. And it's his arrogance that took him down. The kingdom may have lasted a little bit longer. Who knows? But he was so arrogant that he turned his back on God and thought, I'm the one. I'm the one. Right? It's interesting, a little side note, that this is found in, if you look at my breakdown of Daniel, this is found in, 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 in kindness. And what we see in Daniel chapter 5 is the kindness of God. And you may say, well, how is this the kindness of God? Because God destroys one man and spares everybody else. Babylon was full of Jews, the whole countryside. All the Jews are down there. But in order to spare the Jews, God drops good old Belshazzar and everybody's spared. There's the kindness of God. Let's just take out the guy who's full of himself. Let's take out the guy who's arrogant, right? Because arrogant people, people that are full of themselves are going to fall. It's guaranteed. Where is that? First Corinthians, right? Chapter what? Uh, 13? No, probably chapter 10, verse uh, 11, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he, lest he fall. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful insight to arrogant people. And the scary thing is, or not arrogant, but well, arrogant, but more so denial. People will live their lives until the day that they die. And it's when you're on your deathbed is when you get your eyes opened. But is that soon enough to be saved? Mm, I don't personally think so. You have to live your life serving God. And you've got to make sure you don't slide into denial. But it's easy to slide into denial. And we have a tendency to do it ourselves. So the question you need to ask yourself this morning is, how are you doing with the greatest commandment? Because the greatest commandment, which takes everything into account, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh, yeah, and your neighbor as yourself. He's saying I need to love God with 100%, but am I giving God 100%? Can I say to myself, am I giving God 100%? Or do I live in denial and I just hang on to this little thing called baptism and just think, okay, my sins have been forgiven, no problem. I've got to get on with everything else in the world. I think Belshazzar got on with everything else in the world. Ignoring the stories of his father, ignoring the stories of the God of the universe and got on with everything else. Heart, soul, mind, strength. That's 100% with all. Am I reading the Bible at least every day? Am I listening for the word of God? Because the more I start cutting back on God and putting the world in his place, the more I start sliding into this thing called denial. And I don't ever want to wake up like Belshazzar. 
That's why we come together to encourage one another. That's why we come together on the first day of the week to stand before Christ, to present ourselves before Christ, right? And examine ourselves in the light of all that Christ has done. Now I'm saying I can go out and do absolutely everything, but am I trying or am I living in denial? There's a great day coming and we all want to hear that. Well done, good and faithful servant. But the question is, will we? Are we sheep or are we goats? So my encouragement this morning, don't be like a Belshazzar. Don't live in denial. Living in denial is an ugly reality to truly wake up to. That's what happened to Belshazzar. Let's not allow that to happen to ourselves. And that to me is Daniel chapter five.